Amen. Well, again, thank you so much for, I hope it, I don't want to say for your patience because I think it's, this is all good because these are great things. Do you know what this means? This shows that there is life in this church, that God is doing things that, and I, I, we, we talked about it and this stuff has kind of been stacking up and we all decided like, hey, let's, the first Sunday of 2024, we're going to just do this all because we're, we want just to acknowledge God at the very beginning of this year, the very first Sunday, that he is the one that is building his church here. That he is the one that is, is accomplishing all that, you know, that this church has done and that this church will do. And it's through folks like each of you and those that are committed to just being a part of the ministry here. Um, and you know what I love about this is we are a room full of imperfect people. But we serve a perfect God. And by his strength and, and through his grace we see what God is accomplishing and we, we just have the privilege just to see glimpses and to be a part of, of it in, in some even small way. And so I want to encourage you wherever you're at today, maybe you're full on involved here, maybe you're still just dipping your toe in the water, um, but I would encourage you to get plugged in, get involved and, and see what God might have for you. Well, I, um, I do have a sermon today uh, for us, so I hope you're ready for that. Uh, I'm going to try not to go my usual hour and a half or so, uh, but through it, though, I, I do hope that, um, you know, I, when, I, when I think about the start of the year, I just, I think it's important for us to pause and to think and, and to really, it just kind of gives us that perspective for the year, right? And so I really wanted to start out this year um, out the gate with just uh, a thought, and, you know, the, we're going to go into a, a two-part series this week and next week. And it's called Out with the Old, and it's just simply that transition, because there's something significant for all of us um, this, about that new year, right? January 1st, it kind of feels like whatever happened last year, even though it was just the, ne- the day before, it's, it's gone now, right? And now the new year holds whatever. Now, again, it's been almost a week, and I know for some, probably you've already been hit with 2024 smacking your face, right? Um, but that's okay. Why? Because God is, is in control and God is still on the throne and he's with us and with you. And so, you know, we're going to spend uh, this week and next week uh, with this idea of, you know, out with the old. And for many of us, when we start the new year, and, you know, you can nod or agree here, you know, we typically start with, with, with what? Making a New Year's resolution, right? We, we, we whether you say that word or you do that, or but we do have kind of this anticipation or looking forward to all the things that we're going to accomplish uh, what, what th- this year and what we're going to do. Now, what I would like to do, though, is I want to pivot just a bit because I think a lot of the focus when we build these New Year's resolutions, it's always kind of the things that we're going to add, right? We're going to have new goals, maybe new habits, right? How many gym habits did we January 1st, did we start? And how many stopped already? You know, yeah, it's just like, I'd said this a while back, right? I always say this, honey, like, I just don't make that. My resolution is never to put my foot in the gym, and I, I succeed every year, just so you know. Um, so it's just the resolutions you make. But so often we add things, but I, the challenge of this series, though, is what we want to look at is really of maybe some things that we need to let go. As we think of a new year, as we think of things that are, you know, where we want maybe those goals or those things, but what about things that maybe we should let go? You know, maybe letting go of some things that possibly are weighing us down or, or maybe some regrets that are holding us back, right? Or perhaps for some, a destructive mindsets that are grounded in lies instead of God's truth that we bought into, that we need to let go of. You see, oftentimes the thing that, that we are holding on to is, is really making it impossible for us 
to truly add something of significance and worth. There are things that you know just we, we hold on to with all our lives that, well, I can't let that go. You know, I want to just kind of, can I be real with you today? I'm going to be, regardless of what you say, but please, can I be real with you? Yes, right? Okay, do we got that picture there? Can everybody see that? This is probably the reality for a lot of us of the things we're holding on to. You see, maybe back in the day, that thing, it's, whether it's a shed, a house, whatever that is, was built brand new. And it served an amazing purpose, and it was awesome. And it had a season of, of being you know, productive and serving a purpose. And for some of us, whatever this is for you, we tend to hold on to things, right? We can hold on to that thing like, hey, you know, look, let's look at it. Think about what we could do. We could build a west wing onto that thing, slap some paint on it, right, and make it look brand new. <laughs> but the truth of it all is that there comes a point in our lives with some things that there is a point where we just have to say, you know what, it's time to let this go. It's time to let it go. Now, I have something I want to share with you this morning, and for those of you who are visiting or new, um, you picked a great Sunday to be here. I, I thought of other ways to say this, but I just can't get around it. And so um, I'm going to say it. It's, it's a military term. And it's, uh, it's something that, that we say often. And so I'm going to say it once. So I'm calling it the PAT principle, right? P-A-T. I'll say it once for what it is so you guys know what I'm talking about. Then I'm not going to say it anymore. I'm just going to say PAT, and you just know, so I don't have to keep saying it. But we have something in the military called polishing a turd, okay? I don't know if I can say that as a pastor. <laughs> I, I just did, and I said turd, all right? That's the last time I'm going to say it. But we're going to call it the Pat Principle, all right? And here's the deal, right? This is, this is, I, I, I love this phrase because it's true, and so many of us, it, it, it rings true. Why? Because there comes a point, and this, this would fall under the Pat Principle, Meaning there comes a point where, you know what, you're, you're just polishing. The reality of what it is is still what it is. You understand? And you have to understand when you get to that point, there comes a place where it's just time to let it go. It's time to release it. It's time for it just to go on and just let the memory be what it was. My wife helps me with this often in our home. And my wife, uh, I've shared this story, I believe, before, but, you know, I came home one day and our carpet was pretty old upstairs in, in the dog. We have dogs and things like that, but it was already kind of in bad shape. And I come home, and there's just these patches of carpet missing. It's just plywood, right? Just random, all over the, the, the upstairs. And I was like, honey, what is going on? She's like, I couldn't get the stain or the smell out, and so it's, it's out of the house, okay? At this point... If we kept trying to clean that carpet, it was applying the PAT principle, right? There was no recovering it. And so my wife helped us to get a jump start and made up the, her mind for both of us that we're going to get rid of the carpet. 
Um, and so, needless to say, we ended up pulling out all the carpet and redoing the floors and everything ourselves. Um, so, you, she, she pulled out the carpet, actually. <laughs> and then I put all the new flooring in. So we make a great team, but, but there, there came that point where like, this isn't gonna work here anymore. And so, again, understanding this and whatever that applies to, whatever part of your life that applies to for you, it's understanding when that time comes. You know, again, every, every new year comes and it's this opportunity for this fresh start. But so often we focus on what we're going to add to and what we're going to pick up and what new wing we're going to build onto our lives when there maybe that part of our lives looks more like this and it's maybe time to knock that down and to start over. And so the question I want us to think about, and I want you to answer this not out loud but in your mind of what about what, what is it this year that we need to let go how can we make space first, especially when it comes to our time? Once that space has been created now, all right, and again, don't answer out loud, please. And again, just keep looking at me. They won't know it's you that we're talking about. But how many of us thought about how we can use that space that we created by letting go of this or that to grow in our walk with the Lord? How many of us, if we're honest, it was just, we were just going to add something else? Well, now, it's just like when, remember, the iPad was created and how much time it was supposed to save us and everything else and all this technology, and now all it is is, well, now we've got more time, so now I can do more things, right? And we just load ourselves up. But when we build this space in, when we let something go, what is it that we're going to fill that space with? COVID, honestly, the, the silver lining of COVID is it, it gave us a kind of a big stop button, didn't it? Now, a couple years removed, what, is, what do our lives look like again? Are we running the frantic pace that we did before that hit? Have we filled our lives with that busy stuff? You see, we can't simply keep adding. At some point, we must be committed to remove things as well. You think of a car, right? For a while, you can add oil when your car is burning oil. You can add new oil in. But at some point, you need a, a what? An oil change, right? Few people just light bulb went on in their mind, like, oh yeah, wait a second. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta just drain it out and add all fresh new oil. And so again, thinking of that and just kind of with all these sort of this imagery uh, in our mind this morning, I want us to go forward with that in mind. You see, too many times, this is why we often miss out on the new life that God has promised us through Christ, because we are not willing to commit to the change fully. We just keep adding oil. We keep trying to make it work with what we have instead of saying, you know what, God? I'm willing to change completely. In the words of the Princess Elsa, you know, we need to let it go, right? If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Mark's Gospel, chapter 2. Because you see, the, the way we receive continued new life in Christ is by letting go of our old prideful behaviors, our self-centered comforts, and ultimately our sin. You remember that in the, in the scripture where it says, you know, the, the one that loses their life will what? Will gain it. That's the principle that we, we live by. In Mark, chapter 2, we have a scene here taking place, again, as Jesus is walking with his disciples. Beginning in verse 18. Is Tom here today? Tom Chang? Oh, man. Too bad. I was going to share my New Year's resolution. That would be to always get the right Bible reference. 
last week, for those of you who are here, I obliterated it. I missed it the entire time, so I apologize. So I'll make sure to always reference the right scripture <laughs> so you're not flipping through your, your Bible trying to find it. Mark chapter 2, verse 18. All right, it reads this. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and people came and said to him, people saying to Jesus, why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in on that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and a, a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for this Beautiful Sunday, this first Sunday of 2024. God, we pray that you would, as you always do, Lord, that you would speak through your word. God, use this vessel, Lord, to accomplish your plans and purpose this morning. Open our hearts to receive. In Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. 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 So we see here this, this situation. And again, these are the religious leaders all throughout Jesus' ministry. They were always given a hard time. They were always there. And understand that they had a firm, established religious tradition, Okay been doing it for a long time. They, they had their ways. Um, you know, many of the religious practices, in, in a good way, had been prescribed from the Old Testament by the Lord. But unfortunately, there was also much that had been put in place by the religious leaders of that day. They added to. They put tremendous weight on people, um, and it was just not a good scene. And so, you know, again, you know, the, the question I, I would ask here is, you know, what was the underlying reason you know, for all those practices that were put in place by God in the Old Testament. Again, in and of itself, you look at the Old Testament, there were a lot of things that God laid out for people, right, to follow. There were rules, if you will. Not saying that, talking about the ones that the, 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 the priests put on on top of it. But there were all of these things, all of these, these ways that they were supposed to live. And again, why, why was that the case? And it was simply for this. It was so that the person could draw closer to the Lord, right? I mean, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt initially, their destination was supposed to be the mountain where God was. And they were invited to come up the mountain, but they were not willing to put aside and to put away those sinful things and to prepare themselves to enter into God's presence. And so they were scared of being put to death by his presence alone. And so they stayed at the base of the mountain and they sent Moses instead. But God's desire was always to be present with his people, to always be in relationship with his people. And that's why all these things were put into place. For us today, you know, we do this as well. We're not under the Old Testament, but we also today, we look for time in God's word. We, we look for gathering together like this, right? As we draw close to the Lord together, we look for times of prayer and fasting. All this is to what? To draw close to the Lord, to, to walk in relationship with God. You know, we pointed out the fact that we live in relationship with one another, but kind of the flip side of that, if you will, or the other side of that coin would be to walk in relationship with God, our Creator. That's the whole reason. That's the whole purpose. It's not like God was laying out all these hurdles and obstacles just for his entertainment to watch how his people like, would get through them or get over this or get under that. But no, it was because he wanted relationship. 
And so here in this specific incident, fasting becomes this, the focus. You know, the religious had come to this the place where, again, think about it. The, the, the religious leaders were in this place where the doing, meaning the fasting itself, had become greater than the purpose of why it was to be done. To bring one, the one that was fasting, closer to God. Now think about Jesus, right? <laughs> in this moment, when these religious leaders are questioning about fasting, Think of what might have gone through his mind. There's great irony in this picture, isn't there? You see, how much closer to the Lord can you get than when he is physically standing right in front of you? Jesus is standing there, and they're criticizing him and his disciples about fasting. Why? It's to draw closer to the Lord. They were literally trying to tell Jesus how he was supposed to do ministry. It's kind of funny and kind of sad at the same time because they were missing that God, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus was standing right in front of them. And so Jesus' response, again, verses 19 and 20, as we read, he says, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away for them, from them, and then they will fast in that day. Again, don't misunderstand what I'm saying this morning. Fasting is important, and fasting has a place, and it's, it's a great practice for us, a spiritual practice for us. But again, you know, Jesus is, is, is presenting this to them, and he's, he's starting to, uh, he, he lays out this parable for them. And he doesn't say it directly, but he's, he's identifying himself as the groom. You know, the groom is here now. The, the bridegroom is here in front of you, standing before you. And he also, in, this, in this, this first part, he foreshadows that he will not be physically present indefinitely. There will be a time, again, when he will return to heaven as, as we are living in now. And he continues, you know, with this, this parable about sewing this piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment and how if the person does that, it will tear away and, and the new, you know, from the old and a worse tear is made. Again, going back to that, you know, that engine and the oil mixing, you know, and adding old and new together. You know, Jesus, again, he's, he's laying this all out for them. It's just this imagery. And then he moved into the, the, the wineskin part about putting new wine into old wineskins, talking about it bursting as it, as it ferments. It can't handle The old wineskins can't handle it. They're destroyed. And the new wine, it, it, it ends up on the ground. Now, oftentimes, you know, wine, it's, it's referencing the Holy Spirit uh, in Scripture. And I don't think that's specifically what was happening here Instead, I think Jesus was, he was getting down to that this new wine is talking about this new covenant that he was about to bring in, what he was about to accomplish by going to the cross. You know, to further help us understand this scene a little more, I want to kind of look at the bookends of, of this passage, what happened before, right? And so we see uh, in, in Mark 2 in verse 17, you know, Jesus is being criticized for who he was hanging out with, which he spent most of his ministry bearing that. Right? Because he wasn't hanging out with the religious crowd. For whatever reason, you know, he, he was found with uh, this other group that was more of an outcast. 
and the religious leaders were like scratching their head. In Mark 2.17, it says, And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick I came not to call the righteous but sinners. Now that's the, the English Standard Version. And I, I switched over and I was going to, through a couple other versions and I came across the New Living Translation. And this like was a mic drop. I would drop my mic if I could, but unhooking this and just dropping it would not have the same effect. But this was a mic drop. Listen to this. I, and I hope it lands the way it landed with me. So this is how the New Living Translation says that same verse from 17, verse two, uh, chapter 2, verse 17. It says, when Jesus heard this, he told them, listen, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Listen to this. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous. Look at this last line. But those who know they are sinners. You could just preach that the entire year. <laughs> Jesus did not come to those, and again, I love it, who think they are righteous. There is no one righteous. None of us. No one is righteous. But instead, he came to those who know that they are sinners. You know what people who know they are sinners do? They cry out because they know that they need to be saved. They need a Savior. That is the first part of coming to Christ, is recognizing that we are a sinner. We have been separated from our Creator because there's no matter how hard we try... We are never going to get to that place of being acceptable before a holy God. And you're in good company. <laughs> Everybody in this room falls into that. You have a better chance of jumping from this platform to the moon. Think about it. I'm not going to do it because it would not be entertaining. Maybe for you it would be. If I just sat here all day and jumped as hard as I could, how close can I get to the moon? <laughs> it's a joke, right? I mean, it's... Like, please stop. Stop jumping. You're never going to get there. But how often do, do even we sometimes get into that mode of like, well, okay, I'm doing things right. I'm doing this thing, and I'm doing that thing, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that. Why? So that I'm more acceptable for God, to God. We can't. It, it means nothing. Jesus, the work of the cross, that's what saves us. And see, Jesus' point here is that, again, these old wideskins wide and the, the garments, the old garments, those are all the structures of that, that existing religious tradition. Whether practice, again, this, the purity of table fellowship and fasting, that, the very thing that they were criticizing him about, those things, that stuff, did not make them closer to God. They had lost sight of what it is to be in relationship with God to the point where they could not even recognize the Messiah standing in front of them. Now, I told you about bookending this passage here. And so I want to go to the end, but we're going to jump into Luke's gospel because he gives this little bit at the very end of this scene. And he mentions this. It's only found in Luke's gospel from this, this part where they're asking this. And he says this in Luke 5, 39. He says, And no one after drinking old wine desires new, for he says the old is good. And no one after drinking old wine desires new, new wine, for he says the old is good. Now, it is interesting to note here, and I didn't realize this until I was studying for it, that during this time, unlike ours, right, we were like, what's your oldest wine, right? We always want, like, aged stuff. In this time, the, the newer sweet wine was actually the preferred wine by most. 
And what had happened again, and, and Jesus is making this correlation between the religious leaders getting used to that old wine and they had lost the taste for what was new. You see, Jesus here is getting to the root of it that religious people of the day had become so intoxicated by their own righteousness, they had no taste for what was new and for what was good. So how can we, church, today enjoy this new wine Jesus is offering? In 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17, it says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. And here it is. Listen, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. See, Jesus again here is inviting us into relationship with him. So why then do we often worry about our religious practices more than simply being in relationship with Jesus himself? Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'm glad you guys come to church, right? We're, it's good for us to come together. It's good for us to practice the Lord's, the Lord's table, that, you know, taking communion together. Prayer is, is good. <laughs> Fasting is good. All of these things are, are, are wonderful in, in that what? What is, what is the desire? What is the, the, the objective? To draw close to God. To quiet the things of this world, to make that space, to let those things go, and to be focused and to come back to that simplicity and that beauty of relationship with God. So I want to encourage us today, instead of adding something new to our already busy lives, we should start this new year with a strategic plan to eliminate <laughs> some things. Old mindsets, destructive habits, pointless busyness, all this stuff that's just noise. Anything that's hindering our relationship with our Savior. Why? Again, it's to make time for the most important relationship, the most important person of our lives, which is Jesus Christ. Does our life, we say it with our mouth that Jesus is God. We say it with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. We say it with our mouth that I love Jesus more than anything, that take the world but give me Jesus. We say all these things, but if we looked at our life, would it translate that that's what we truly believe? As we close this morning, worship team, you can start to move forward. You've heard this many times, but we've all heard what the definition of insanity is, right? Doing the same thing and expecting what? A different result. How many times are, are we guilty of that? <laughs> we may not realize it, but we do the same things. We, you know, we're still messing with this thing over here, this... We still have this little pet sin over here, or we're just not doing, you know, what God's told us or called us to do here. Yet we expect a different outcome somehow. Listen to this, church. Setting a goal, okay, it means we sell out to everything else that can distract us along the way. But it also means that we must be willing to let go of some things we might already have or are currently doing. You see, if, if, if we say the, our goal this year, and, and I, hope that's, I hope that's your goal, because my goal this year is, is again, and 
it, it's really become very strong the last few months of even last year. It's just coming back to that, that beauty and the simplicity of the relationship with Jesus. I want to, I want to know him. I, I want to, to, again, be in that and just, just bask in that relationship, that that's enough, the sweetness of that. And so if I say that, if I'm committed to that, if I know that's my goal, then it makes it a lot easier just to push a lot of these other things out that aren't, aren't helping me to get to that place. Our New Year's resolutions to be better, a better version of ourselves, honestly, if we think about it, are they getting in the way with being with Jesus? If you haven't cleaned things out and gotten rid of things first and you're just simply adding more in, I would ask you this morning to answer that question to yourself and to ponder that this week. Are the things that I'm trying to pick up or the things that I'm juggling right now, is that drawing me closer to the Lord? Or is it moving me further away? Is it serving as a barrier in my relationship with my Savior? Don't let pride get in the way. Don't let self-centered comforts and that sin that holds us back from being with Jesus. Give it. The cross is there, right? You see the cross. The whole purpose of it is so that you can lay that before God. That you can say, God, Jesus, take this from me. I just want to know you. We must entrust our lives to Jesus afresh to receive new life in him. My last question, are you ready to get rid of your old self and live in your new self in Christ Jesus. And I say that to all, a lot of us here are believers. We've made that profession. We've been saved and we walk with the Lord. But how much junk are we carrying that God's just saying, will you just drop it already? I'm all you need. Would you bow your heads? Father God, we thank you, Lord. I thank you for this morning. I thank you for, Lord, this group of people. God, I thank you for those that are joining us online. God, most importantly, I thank you that the most important person is present with us in this room, and that is you. God, I thank you, Lord, this morning for your spirit who dwells, Lord, with your people today. God, for your word says that when we come to you, Lord, it says you promise to never, never leave us or forsake us. But God, I believe that there are times and there are things and there are distractions in this life that, that get us in that place where we're not aware of your presence or that you are truly with us. God, that we have you put away in a closet or we're just ignoring you, Lord. I think about two people that are in love and that they're walking along and if one just ignores the other, how, how does that play out? How is that love? The true love that is shown is that even in that moment when one is ignoring the other, the one that is being ignored is still loving the other and that is that picture of you and us. Forgive us, Lord, where we have ignored you. Forgive us, Lord, where we have put you second to anything. But God, through that all, we know that your love is consistent, that your love and your mercy is always present, and God, that you are still with us. God, that while we may turn our back on you, you will never turn your back on us. God, because you love us so deeply and so richly. God, I pray for each one of us here today that as we begin 2024 with all these expectations and goals and dreams, Lord God, that again, at the top of that list, would be, Lord, to find our way back to that sweet place of relationship with you. God, that we at the top of our list would put clearing out the junk and the debris that is standing between us and just God experiencing your presence in its fullness. God, may we as a church continue to be committed, Lord, with all our hearts to pursue you and to pursue relationship. 
with you. Why? So that we may, we, we may carry that out, Lord, to the world around us so that others may experience what it is to be in relationship with you. How can we share something, Lord, with others when we don't truly walk in it ourselves? We thank you, Lord. I thank you, God, for what you have in store for this year, for this church and this body of believers. And we're grateful for it. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. 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 Could you stand?